Welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. Ryan and I have another great episode for you this week with an excellent guest interview. Today, we're breaking down the do's and don'ts of social selling, or more specifically, how you can drive revenue on LinkedIn. It's episode 20, How to Maximize Your LinkedIn Social Selling with Bryn Tillman, and it's coming at you right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, go to araxum.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. So this is a happy hour. Ryan, what are you drinking this week? You know, I'm still staying on this, uh, you know, Mexican kick I have. One of my favorite beers uh, outside of Modelo is also Dos Equis. Uh, like both the lager and the amber, but today I'm going with the lager. What are you drinking, Chris? I am a fan of Dos Equis as well, but I am rocking Sam Adams today. It is that time of year, so I went with an Oktoberfest. Nice. It is that time of year. So we had a fantastic discussion with Bryn Tillman this week, and we, we went through a lot of great material, and I don't want to waste any time because she covered so much valuable information. So Ryan, without further ado, let's bring her in. Today's guest is a recovering sales trainer. She's transforming the way professionals grow their business by leveraging LinkedIn to convert content and connections to conversations. The Digital Marketing Happy Hour is proud to welcome Bryn Tillman. Bryn, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Ryan and Chris, for having me. Absolutely. Now, we can't start a happy hour with, at the very least, talking about when you're at happy hour, what is your go-to beverage? So... It's changed over the years and actually in some ways it's come full circle. So my young drink of choice was a whiskey sour. Okay. Now I'm diabetic. Hello. Welcome to my (laughs) fifties. And so I have this um, whiskey, zero calorie, zero, no, not zero calorie, zero carb whiskey sour. So lemon, lemon juice, water and Splenda and whiskey. That's my drink. That's that I like it. It works, right? It works. I actually like how you have adapted it. You haven't really traveled too far away. You just, you know, made it work for you and your body a little bit better, I think. I, I moved into wine for a while, but there's there's no Can't way to do that. So I'm back. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. So, Bren, there's so much information. You know, you are clearly the, the queen on LinkedIn. I mean, there's so much information that you put out there that's so helpful with training and obviously sales and LinkedIn go together. Every time you make a connection on LinkedIn, whether you like it or not, you're, I feel like you're being sold to. You know, it's that instant message and then you're being sold, which I feel is clearly not the way to, to do that. Tell me a little bit about your experience because. You wrote one of the early books on LinkedIn, several, what, 2013? Yeah, my first one. Yeah, first one. So, so clearly you've been doing this a while. Back in 2013, LinkedIn was literally, you post your resume on there and hope you get a job. You know, now 2020, completely different landscape about it. So, so tell me a little bit more about your background and, and with LinkedIn and sales. Um, great, sure. And I'm happy to talk about how not to connect and pitch as well. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, you, you mentioned recovering sales trainer. I've been in sales and sales training for my whole career. And, you know, it's funny, I usually say my whole adult career, but I started in sales as a waitress while I was in, in high school. And I realized I had the most tips. So why? I knew how to upsell desserts and appetizers. I like, I, it was just natural to me. So because I liked being a waitress, I went to hospitality school and realized I didn't like being the waitress. I liked being the salesperson that the waitress allowed me to be. So I ended up in sales through almost every single job I ever had. I was the the ride along person, right? New person, go with Bryn, sit with Bryn, listen to Bryn. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to be a trainer because that's way fun. So I, I went into training. I launched a business years ago with a partner. That business is still thriving, but it was 
more traditional cold calling. And I didn't want to teach that anymore because it wasn't fun. And if we're not having fun, I don't want to do it, right? There's lots of ways to make money having fun. So I really fell in love with LinkedIn early on because it solved my biggest problem. What I didn't love about sales was the cold calling. And I know that there are lots of people out there talking about it still and says it still works and just pick up the phone one more time. And, and, and for some, it works. I hated that piece. And I just said, I like to have fun. So if I can find a way to transform the piece of the business that I didn't like into something I did, I was all for it. So LinkedIn in 2013 became this incredible aha moment when it solved my biggest problem is how do I connect with people without cold calling? How do I find them? And here's the thing. I loved, as all of us do, client referrals, right? Who doesn't love client referrals? But here's the problem with it. In the real world, if I go, hey, Chris, who do you know that could use my services the same way you have? What do you do? You go, I don't know. I don't know who I know. LinkedIn gives us the ability to filter and search our connections connections. So I could say, hey, Chris, you know 24 people that I'm looking to get in front of. Can I run these names by you? And of the 24, you know six. And of these six, can I use your name when I reach out? That solved my problem. How do I get client referrals without cold calling? And now as I've morphed, how do I get client referrals without cold calling and making my clients do work? So now I have six that Chris says, absolutely. And you can, you know, these are great people for you. Can I mention when I reach out to Ryan, can I mention that we had this conversation that you're my client and you thought we should talk? Absolutely. Ryan, Chris and I were chatting the other day. Your name came up in our conversation and he thought I should reach out and introduce myself. I've been working with Chris for the last couple of years doing this, this, and this. And I, you know, he thinks, you know, or, or I think I could probably offer some insights on a quick call. Even if we don't work together, it'll be well worth your time. If you're interested, let me know. I can send you a link to my calendar. Boom, done. Half of them will turn to calls because Chris said. Yeah. I, I like the warm handoff yeah. side of that because I feel like, you know, you were mentioning the, the cold calling side of things. And, and Ryan mentioned this too, in terms of LinkedIn. I, I love LinkedIn as a platform, probably, probably my favorite social network. And I feel like so many people use it wrong. I get a ton of requests every day and you can almost spot them. The minute the request comes in, I know they're going to ask me about, you know, they run a recruitment agency and they want to sell me on some of their clients. They run a software development firm and they want to be my choice vendor for software development. What do you advise for clients like that? Or how do you teach organizations or individuals that's not the right approach and what the right approach should be? So first we have to look at the philosophy, right? So the first piece I'll talk about is we need to earn the right to get a conversation. We cannot connect and pitch and assume that anyone has any interest in talking to us. We've brought no value to the table whatsoever. And you are just noise and annoying. I find it incredible that people are still doing this, but I also get phone calls every day that says, please do not hang up. This is an important, like I'm hanging up. That's an invitation to hang up, (laughs) right? That's happening on LinkedIn. We help businesses just like you. That's an invitation to disconnect, right? Like, so, so we, we have to look at the, did this work five years ago? Maybe a little better, but it's definitely not working now when everyone on the planet has turned to LinkedIn for sales, particularly in this post-quarantine environment, right? So you have to come from, did I earn the right for this person to want to take my call? If the answer is no, don't ask, right? We've got to get there first. So how do you get there? Well, the first thing is we have to know what matters to them. Not what matters to me, what matters to you. It's not what I want you to know. It's what you want to learn, absorb, consume, right? So I have to truly understand what matters to my prospect. And if I do not know their challenge, I am never going to earn the right to have the conversation. So you've got to do that. So I know we're doing a lot of what you have to do first, but it's the only way it works. Next, when you create that content or 
curate that content or go to engage on a piece of content with your own insights. You have to master the ask-offer ratio. The ask-offer ratio is I'm asking you for 38 seconds to read my stuff. At the end of that 38 seconds, you are going to walk away with one of three feelings. It was a bait and switch. What a waste of my time. And a lot of that is I ask you to read an article and the topic is better than the content, right? Lots of bait and switch. But what's even more prevalent is the neutral. I, neutral does not earn you the right to have a conversation. If I just invested 36 seconds to read something and at the end of that, it was barely worth my 36 seconds, it didn't hurt your reputation, but it, there's nothing compelling for me to want to have a conversation. That was a waste of your content, of your time, of, your, your, uh, of whatever you've put out there. We need to be compelling at least 80% of the time. We need someone to take, want to take action. What does take action mean? It could be as little as I reacted with a like. It could be I commented. It could be a thank you for sending me that. Or in, in, in some cases, I may reach out with, hey, I, you know, thanks for connecting with me on LinkedIn. I noticed you're a CEO. We have a webinar coming up on this and this. If you're interested, let me know. I'll send you a link. Didn't send the link. I asked them permission to send the link and their reaction might be, oh, thanks, I'd love that. You're gonna get way more opt-ins when you, when you ask permission than when you push. You earn the right because you respected their inbox, right? Mm -hmm. So just all, you've got to, and now they read this and you created curiosity and if you can create curiosity without disrespecting their, you know, their inbox, right? Disrespecting their time. They're like, wow, that was interesting. And, and many don't respond, but the ones that do are the ones that are interested. But you have to create curiosity, get them thinking a little bit differently than they did before they opened it up or they read it and potentially teach them something new that they didn't think about before. If you can master those three, you master the ask-offer ratio. At what point in that sort of scenario do you take it offline? Because I think what I find in my experience, we just connected and I immediately get, hey, can you schedule 15 minutes? Hey, can you schedule 15 minutes? When you get those, every, no joke, I get them almost every single day, at least one, if not multiple. And I'm mm -hmm. like, and I start to think, do people not realize? It's that not working. They're not the only ones that are asking people to schedule something on their calendar. But at the same time, when you start to create that relationship, as you, you talked about, when is it that you say, okay, let's take this offline because now we can get from LinkedIn to a phone call, which gets yeah. you further down that sort of funnel. And I know it's kind of high level, but at what point do you sort of change platforms onto like a phone call? That's a great question. And, and I would say it happens naturally in conversation if you're doing it well. So let's go into kind of the physical world for a moment and think about, we are at a conference or a trade show or a business card exchange where we're talking with people. I wouldn't walk up to you, Ryan, and say, hey, Ryan, I'm Bryn Tillman, wanna go for coffee? Like that's what we're, we're doing, right? But it might be, so Ryan, you know, uh, tell me a little about your business. Oh, now I offer a little insight that might be helpful. I tell you, you know, we talk, we have this conversation and then we're like, okay, well, you know, the keynote speaking, we're going to go, but you know, I'd love to set, continue this conversation. Let's, you know, let me get your information. We'll set up a time maybe next week where we chat even further. This was great. We had a normal conversation. So it's not exactly the same linear approach on LinkedIn, but it is a normal conversation, right? So we connect with them. We ask them, you know, I'm not sure if you're exploring this or if this is important to you, but if it is, I'd love to send you a piece of content. Great. They like this content or we shared content and they liked or engaged or commented on it. All right. So now I'd love to say, so I'm, I'm real, I'm, I'm thrilled that you, it was great that you enjoyed this piece of content that they commented on. What was it that resonated with you? Or here's what resonated, especially if you curated it, here's what resonated with me most about that. What did you like? Like, let's have a conversation. What, what, you know, 
did this, uh, and, and that's why it's important that you're sharing content, even if it's other people's content that leads to a conversation about your solution eventually. Don't just share random stuff, you know, make sure that it's, it's in the realm of what you do. You know, so for you, you know, it, it's somewhere along the line, it's going to bring up the conversation around marketing, mm -hmm. right? You don't want to share something about engineering and, you know, something that, right, and go, you could have a whole conversation, but it never leads. So the thing is, if, if you can ultimately be a value, begin to earn the right, and they're like, man, if Ryan can have all these insights right here on LinkedIn, Imagine how good a call would, would be. And so that's where you lead in. And, and my first call is not a sales call. Rarely, let's say rarely is my first call a sales call. Most of the time, my first call is an insights call. So Ryan, I'm so glad you got value from that. Um, I have additional information. If this is something you're exploring, I'd love to share X, Y, and Z with you. If you're interested, let me know and I can send over a link for a 15 minute call. I'm not sending you my link until you say I want it. Mm. You can't have my link until you say I want it, right? Because otherwise um, you're like oh, another one. But if you get, how would you feel if now we've had a little conversation and I'm like, if you're interested, let me know. That gets you more interested, right? It gets you going, hmm, maybe I will talk to them. Maybe I will attend that webinar. Maybe I will, whatever, right? Like you, you get them to the edge of, oh, that's interesting. And then pull back. It's like dating. I use that yeah. analogy all the time. Yeah, we, that's at least the third time on this uh, show that uh, dating analogies come up. Um, but I but I like what you're saying with that. And I feel like most individuals that use the, the drive-by tactic, they're not, their intentions aren't poor. They're doing what all of us are trying to do, which is to, to sell and to make connections and to develop those relationships. And they're just, uh, perhaps we'll say, misguided. They just don't know the best approach to it. You know, you mentioned developing content and finding ways to reach out that are sort of helpful and beneficial for them. Do you have any tips or advice on the best way to do that? Because I feel like that's where most businesses, from what we've seen, kind of get hung up. They don't know how to make that initial first step to create a little bit of value to take them to the stage where they can start having a more in-depth conversation. Yeah, so that's great. And and so I'll start with, there's a little pressure because you guys are marketing guys and I'm a salesperson, <laughs> but I'm still going to share what we do and what we teach. Which the first thing, especially if you are not a content creator, which by the way, you, you all are, you just have not figured out how to capture it yet, is create a document, whether in a Google Drive or Word, I like Google Drive because I can get it from anywhere, create a document and every time you have a conversation with a client, I want you to, or, or prospect any conversation, your goal in that is to have one thing that made them go, hmm. And then that's your piece of content that you record for later. That's your inspiration for content. It could just be a quote. Some of my best content, 90% of my content comes from either I'm having a conversation. I'm like, oh, that was a good one. I'm going to record that. And now, because all my calls are on Zoom, they're recorded, I can go back and get it. So I give my, my prospects or my clients the best stuff because in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm using this later for content, even if it doesn't turn to a sale, like this is really <laughs> productive, right? So everyone wins in that for sure. But ultimately, on a, your emails, your conversations are all leading to your best content. Another place, which is relatively new for me to, to grab from, are the comments that you're making on other people's content potentially are standalone. So I have one person that every day shares content, every day mentions me and every day helps me to inspire me to write other stuff. He's got great stuff. He does wonderful webinars on sales. And so he has a different interview every day with someone else. And I'm like, great topic. Here's my perspective. Great topic. Here's my perspective. All of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, all these perspectives are original content. So I can grab it from my comment uh, and, and start using that as original content. So where else, right? So curating content is also a great thing to do. Share podcasts that are in your industry realm or that are leading people back to you. Other people's webinars, other people's blog, cat, blog posts, 
with your commentary. So you put your perspective around somebody else's content, it's content. But you know, I'm at the place where I use Canva. I don't know if you know Canva. Love Canva. I pay the $13 a month. I they they got me. I'm in. There's it's just so easy. They have all these great templates. You stick in your your text and and your logo and you're done. We don't need full-on blog posts. We need content that gets people curious, thinking differently, and learning something new with a nice little visual. Video, 30 seconds to three minutes. You have an idea. So even you do, if you are recording your Zoom calls with your prospects in your class, you get lots of different views. You can have speaker view. So you can actually download your video and edit it to just the piece of you talking. That great idea, grab it. You could get it transcribed if you want to put a, you know, con the content around it. You could do it raw, lots of ways to use it. But all that stuff, you're doing this already. You're out there, you're creating you content. You're just not figuring out how to convert it for social. When it comes to content, so we talked a lot about the different types. You talked about the audio, obviously video, which is, which is huge. What content do you find works best on a platform like LinkedIn? So obviously the content that resonates with your buyers. I mean, I, I, it's hard to say because, at, or do you mean the, what medium? Because um, medium is, is different. But so I could talk about both. You have to know what resonates with your buyers. You have to know what, here's if you don't know, ask them and go look at the content they're engaging on. Just go look them up and look at their newsfeed, look at their posts, look at their activity, look at what they are engaging on to get an idea of what they care about. So that's the first thing. If you're talking about what medium, so LinkedIn is an interesting animal in that its algorithm is uh, very, uh, it changes all the time. It's relatively random, right? All it's all over the place. Video does very well if you upload native video. So that has to be under 10 minutes. Uh, and I prefer between 30 seconds and 90 seconds as a trailer that brings you maybe to a YouTube video or brings you somewhere else, but keep it short. Documents do very well. People don't even recognize that it's a thing. So SlideShare, I don't even think, I think LinkedIn sold them off, but SlideShare um, was a place where you, you could upload documents. Now you can do it uh, embedded inside of LinkedIn. In your posts, you can choose documents. So if you have PowerPoints, if you have eBooks, if you, and, and LinkedIn's really pushing it. So the algorithm will really help in getting that out. I love polls. And here's the thing, polls is the one place that you can prospect on LinkedIn and nobody really recognizes it. So I, this is a phenomenal opportunity that we stumbled into uh, Cher Jones shared and somebody else in her network did this. And all of a sudden we went, oh my God, there's magic in this idea. So I'm sure it's morphed from its original intent, but here's the, the concept. So polls, everyone's got polls. We put out a poll. Are you using sales navigator? Yes, no, I know I should be. I'm not, but I should be. So the people that are, we can reach out to with a free webinar on how to use it better. The people that aren't, okay, we're not going to touch, but the people that know that they should be, now this is an opportunity to send them some great content. And you know, if you're evaluating Sales Navigator, here are the things that you should, you know, here's the pros and the cons. And they go, oh, that was really helpful. So we can use polls to qualify and they don't even know they're being qualified. So that's really fun. I like it. That's a, a LinkedIn hack. Yeah, a little bit. So what's the difference to you from a from the cold, the quote unquote cold call on LinkedIn, where you're reaching out through Messenger or doing it through Sales Navigator, is there is there much of a difference in, in the engagement and the responses? Nope. So the, the the person that respond the person on the other side doesn't know what you're reaching out from. The the value of Sales Navigator, which has phenomenal value, like I. I, I used to say I'd pay Sales Navigator before my mortgage, and then I realized Sales Navigator pays my mortgage. <laughs> so, like, it's phenomenal if you know how to use it. It's like a gym membership. Most people pay and never go, but the ones that go every day are in really good shape. 
So, I mean, that's sort of what I, how I look at it, right? So, so sales navigator, what does it do? The search filters are crazy amazing. So you can go down to zip code. You can go down to um, years in the company, new in a role, like so many fabulous filters. So we can really build a great uh, list of prospects. The other things we could do is we can save our leads, which you go, okay, so that's great. So I can categorize and that's fun. And there are other ways I could do that, but that's fine. But what Sales Navigator does with those leads is unbelievable. Is anytime there's any activity in any of those leads or their account, the, the companies they work for, if you've saved it right, will come up in a newsfeed and you can filter what you want to get out of them. So why do I love that? IBM merger with XYZ company. Oh, I'm prospecting IBM. I click through where are all my saved people that work at IBM. And now I can say, you know, Chris, we haven't connected yet, but I just came across this press release of the new merger, of the new company IBM purchased. Most people miss their own press. Not sure if you had a chance to see that, but, you know, love to get it in front of you. Great. If, if you've seen it over, you know, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but if you haven't, here's a link. That's it. They go, oh, now that time I send a link because it's his own link. It's not my link, right? So I don't say anything else. People are confused. They're like, well, this is cool. I didn't see this. And especially if it's a, a smaller company or, and all of a sudden they're like, that's interesting. And then I'm quiet. And then they'll thank me a day or two later. And then they'll ask me a question potentially. Or maybe I'll say, hey, you know, just curious, does this new merger impact your particular job? Now we have a conversation started. So this is really, I want, even though it's paced differently, this is a conversation you might have in real life, right? Like it's another human being. I'm not starting all the time with, hey, I want to tell you how I can help you. I think it's the name sales navigator the way you just describe it it's not sales navigator it's like connection navigator in a way because so it, it's so funny and i thank you for saying the success stories you have now i personally haven't used sales navigator but i have been the recipient of hundreds uh which feels like anyway thousands of sales navigator messages do you I mean find, emails yeah in mails okay uh, i find different. one out of 20 to 25 actually of value. The other 95%, it's going right to some sort of pitch. And it and 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 I've become to almost loathe sales navigator. However, after listening to you talk about it, it's no different than any other tool. A tool is a tool. It's how you use that tool which makes it effective or not uh, with yeah. that. Yeah. So inmail is different, and that's in premium or in sales navigator. And in-mail is a paid message to someone that you don't know um, or you're not connected to. I rarely use in-mail. I do teach it because clients pay for it and they want their team to use it. So I have effective in-mails. I personally prefer a connection request of that with value, but because when you get an in-mail, it says interested, not interested. Immediately, mm -hmm. I think it's sales. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm a little cautious with in-mail. Yeah. Don't tell LinkedIn I said that. No, it's our secret. It's interesting the, the way that you describe sales because I would argue the way you're describing it is similar to the way Ryan and I would describe marketing, which shows this sort of crossover and the way things have kind of merged together in the digital world, I guess. Do you look at that, the technique you described as a form of social currency? In other words, trading something of value to them? And then, you know, do you look at it as social selling, essentially, because you're just leveraging the social network in the same way or in a similar manner to how you would a real connection? Yeah, so I love that. And there is definitely crossover with social. I mean, social is definitely, you know, the piece that has brought marketing and sales closer and closer together. I think where and maybe it's still overlapped. The key is, I don't care who you are, what you do, unless you're selling off of an Amazon link that you never have to have a conversation with someone, we've got to focus on building relationships, right? If you sell, a, a, you know, if you're e-commerce and you want to do, you know, whatever ads and whatever it is, that's fine. And if, if no one has to ever talk to you to buy your stuff, it's different. But if you have to have a conversation with someone, it's about building relationships. And I, and, and I cannot 
you know, when a client comes to me and goes, I tried this and it didn't work. Well, first of all, they didn't listen, but I tried this and it didn't work. So I said, okay, I want you to get on the other side of that. If you received it, would it have worked on you? Well, no, I'm like, it's not going to work on them either. If you were in a live room and that, and you walked up to someone, would you say that as your first response? No, then don't say it. Like it's simple. There is a human being on the other side of the computer, a real person. Treat them that way. Drop the mic on that. That's it. <laughs> the other thing we were talking about a little bit about content, different content types. You know, we're talking about the medium and then obviously content. One thing you hear a lot of people talk about, and it's to create trust and your credibility is thought leadership. Then there's another side of the thought leadership. It's like, it's overrated. You know, what is thought leadership? Where do you stand on that? So there's a predecessor to know, like, and trust, which is attract, teach, and engage. So you can't get to the know, like, and trust if you haven't attracted them, taught them something new, and got them to engage. Without that, you can never build that trust. You can't do that. So is thought leadership, thought leadership is an interesting word that can feel controversial, but let's like kind of parallel that to subject matter expert versus thought leader. Because thought leader, for some reason, I mean, I love, I have a course on thought leadership. Some people think, oh, well, you have to be like a Seth Godin to be a thought leader. You don't, right? So if we need to change the word temporarily to make people comfortable, let's call it, are you showing up as a subject matter expert? Anyone can do that if you are one. It is absolutely vital that you attract the right people in, that you teach them something new, you either create curiosity, teach them something new, get them thinking differently. You cannot get a phone call if you haven't done one of these thing, three things, if not all, because that's how we earn the right. So if, if you can't do that, if you can't, and sometimes it's simply on your profile that you've done such a good job of positioning your profile as a resource that that can earn you the right to have a conversation. But at the end of the day, if your prospect does not see that the 15 minute call is worth their 15 minutes, whatever, however they value that 15 minutes, they're not getting on the call with you. So you've got to give them more than 15 minutes of value before they're willing to say, so Ryan, Ryan definitely earned, earned the right for 15 minute call. I learned so much from reading that article, from watching that video, from his checklist, from this, that I know getting on a call is well worth how I value my time. I really love that analogy because I think I am probably one of the people that gets hung up on the phrase thought leadership. And I think the roadblock for me is is the word leadership. I I struggle with this idea of like you, somebody trying to position themselves as a thought leader because I feel like if you're a leader in anything, you don't get to call yourself that. Your actions will allow other people to call you that. So the way I've always thought of thought leadership is, well, if I'm trying to be helpful and by extension that makes me a thought leader, then I've earned that title at that point. So I love the way you shape that as being a subject matter expert, because truly anybody can do that. And that is a pathway to thought leadership. So I, I really appreciate that. Good. Oh, phew. <laughs> you know, when I have to tell you, as a sales person, a sales trainer and teaching social selling, there's a little intimidation when you're talking with great marketers, right? Because the sales part I got down, the marketing stuff, you know, well, everything. I say I got down. I'm always learning. I, I listen to podcasts every day. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm constantly learning. But, you know, I'm newer to the marketing mindset. So there's a little like, ooh, you know, I'm going to talk about this and hopefully I'm, you know. It's interesting you say that because I think that the things that you're talking about, uh, it's so funny to me because the tools that you mentioned in Canva and uh, Google Docs, Ryan and I just did a podcast where we talked about tools. We're using the same tools in the space. Uh, you talked about you know knowing your audience. Those are all some of the core concepts that we believe in. And, and really, it's that 
true, sincere, authentic relationship that you try to have with customers. And whether you're doing that from a marketing perspective or you're doing it from a sales perspective or you're doing it from a customer service perspective, the results are all the same. And so we're all after the same thing. I think we just look at it through a slightly different lens. Uh, that that's actually an aha moon for me. Yeah, well, it, you know, I'm the opposite of you, Bryn. So I actually, you know, wanted to be in sports. Always wanted to work for a sports organization. And the longer I looked into it, I realized the only way you can work for a sports team is you got to start in sales. And once you get into sales, then you can navigate and change, you know, over time. So in order to do that, I needed to get into, actually, I was in, in college and I sent out a bunch of resumes. I, like to every, I printed them off, I labeled them and I shipped them all off, I think to like a hundred different sports teams. Nothing back, not a thing. So I, I realized though, then I did more research about sales. I needed sales training. So I actually went and coming from Tampa, I actually went to a, a sports sales training in Portland, Oregon. So I packed up the car and made the, the trek, drove all the way, you know, four days it took to, uh, to get there. And then from that, I got a basic understanding of sales. And it was, hey, there's a lot of cold calling, dialing for dollars in a way. And then from there, I, I worked for a minor league baseball team in California. And so I was making my, my, my start. And it was kind of like, here's the phone book, go get them. And I failed miserably. I didn't even last 90 days. I think it was like on day 85. They said, miserable. I don't believe the people that say they like to cold call. Oh. I, I don't believe them. I 85 days, I think. And that, they didn't even let me last 90 days. They're like, you know, it, it thanks, but no thanks. And you're out. And I got another job. It was more of an inside sales with a list and all that. And that was fine for a tennis tournament in Los Angeles. And then that was fine. And that was still short lived. And I realized I'm just not like a cold calling salesperson. Yeah. However, I liked the game of it a little bit. I liked the knowledge and I understood and the it win. then. The win is fun. Well, you can't beat that. You know, I mean, there's something very gratifying and especially if you're competitive. But what, what, Ryan, what if you had, I, I, what if you had the ability to look at everyone that attended that tennis match last year and go through their phone book and say, look, or their Rolodex or their connections and say, here are 17 business owners that they know. This is someone that already knows the event is awesome. And you reach out to them and say, do you think these people would enjoy the event as much as you? Can I mention you when I reach out to them? Now, even if you cold called them saying, you know, uh, Chris and I were chatting, he came to this tennis event last year and he thought you might really enjoy this. Can I share a little bit with you? They're like, well, yeah, I love Chris. I love it. So all my training stuff that I learned literally uh, was 19 years ago. All when you're telling me that it all came back and I haven't used that in forever about asking for the referral, basically what's interesting. And this is probably more of an LA and probably you can say New York than anywhere else. You don't talk to the people you talk to their, you know, assistants and, and all that, who <laughs> all they are, are the gatekeeper between you and the person that you're trying to talk to with getting referrals. And I, I ran in and I was like, that was one of my, okay, I'm in LA moments. Like this is, this is a different world out here where you don't really get to speak to, you know, whoever. And sometimes they were celebrities on there. And of course you speak to their people and you're one in a thousand trying to, uh, trying to get to them. So it was an interesting experience. And I still, at the end of it, I say I failed miserably. I failed in the sense I didn't get, wasn't good at sales, but I learned the process and I really understood it. Then later I was like, I got into marketing and loved it. And then I started marketing as with a sales perspective. That's great. And, and so my entire career, I've always been the kind of the lead head of marketing, but I worked with the sales teams who were pounding the pavement, who were out in the field, flying to where they're at with client meetings and working with them and understanding that process. And I'll be honest with you, Knowing sales without a doubt has made me a better marketer than if I never entered that uh, pool of sales. I love that. I, it, it, the, the lines are being great a little bit. There's like we're smudging them right between the sales and marketing teams. No, a hundred percent. And I think it's so important. I, and I think understanding that line and, and the balance is important. It's kind of tough for some people. And that's kind of what started this whole process of this conversation here was at the beginning where it's that, you know, what don't you do on LinkedIn? It's connect and pitch 
And then once you say, no, I'm not interested. No, thank you. And I do try to respond and just say, no, thank you. I don't want to say it's because of me being an ass, but I do. I, I just say like, is this really working for you? Is this the best approach? Have you tried to prospect? Have you tried to understand what people's needs are on LinkedIn based off webinar. of things that they're posting? There you go. <laughs> yeah, just say, look, if, if you're not getting the results from this and I'm pretty sure you're not, um, check out this free webinar that Social Sales Link's putting on. They'll help you do it better. Absolutely. You know, or if you're interested in the free webinar, let me know and I'll send you a link. <laughs> there you go. I'll just I'll refer, like check out Bryn. Yeah, and it's interesting I, too. I, I, and I used to think, okay, it's, it's the international, uh, when I'm getting connected on internationally, not every country, but there's certain countries. It's like, it was awful. And then the more I explored it, I realized, okay, it's not just, and, I, and no offense to Bangladesh, but it's just a big, I get hit nailed. I, you know, I'm connected with Bangladesh. I think I'm huge in Bangladesh. I'm probably not, but I just feel the amount of connections I have. And a lot of them was, it was quickly like pitch and then, you know, never to be heard from again. And I started really exploring international marketing is another aspect that I, uh, I've done a lot with. And the one thing I, I've learned as I really dove deep into it, cultures are different. No doubt about it. Culture is different. Everyone's problems are the same. It's a, you know, everybody has universal problems. And relationship building is the same. Exactly. It's connection 100%. to humans is the same. So we, you know, what we say might be a little bit different. A cadence might be a little different, but connecting to you. I had a call with a gentleman in Singapore who grew up in New Jersey and I, in a town away from me. The con, initially there was not a strong connection, but as soon as New Jersey was mentioned of all places, he's like, I haven't talked to anyone from New Jersey in so many years. And I'm like, my daughter just moved to your town, a town away, right? Like, so we had all this conversation and all of a sudden that whatever cultural difference there might be, whatever, there was a connection. So not everyone is gonna have the New Jersey experience, but part of what you can do with LinkedIn, by the way, is pre-call planning. Look at, and pre-call beyond their LinkedIn profile, check out their Instagram, where they go on vacation. Check out, like there's so many things that you can do in a pre-call planning that gets you to connect with people on a deeper level. And, and they appreciate that. Hey, I noticed you're in Hawaii last year. It's on my bucket list. I've always wanted to go there. I've never been there. I may not know how to connect, but just simply that it's on my bucket list is a great way to, you know, to, to, to start a conversation. So, and it ended up, and I did that with Singapore. Singapore, it is on my bucket list, but Singapore is on my bucket list. At the end of this, he's like, when you come out, call me, we'll meet. We have one call. I don't know where it's going. I don't know if he's going to be my client. I don't know anything, but he's in like literally even in his follow-up email, he's like, when you decide to come out here, let me know, I'll show you around. Like we connected, we have to connect more. So here's the thing with LinkedIn and social selling and marketing. I believe it is a longer outreach process, but it creates a much shorter time to outcome. So we do all this work up front, like we can cold call all day long and it's fast. I'm I, one, two, three prospects were out, right? Do, do, do. I just thought I'd throw out a little, you know, uh, a sports analogy. No. So we, you know, you, you, you can get through a lot cold calling volumes. It's a longer process. It's a longer pre-call planning. It's a longer mining connections and having a conversation with your client. But it's much faster to conversation that's coming in at a much higher level of credibility. So I think the international aspect is, is big. Just so you know, so almost 50% of our audience is international. Singapore is one of our top 10 uh, countries that we, you know, uh, of listeners. And I was actually fortunate enough two years ago, I got to visit uh, Singapore. Oh, and I heard it's amazing. It okay. is absolutely uh, amazing. And, and I was there with my wife and she's been throughout Asia before. And so she's like, you know, Singapore is not really Asia. It's not real Asia. It's like, it's like Asia light, you know, when you, yeah. when you think about it, uh, but it is, it's beautiful. It's like Florida in August. August, 10 out of 12 months out of the year. So I was going in spring. I'm like, oh, it's going to be nice. No, it was already like, yeah, yeah it was already like it is in Florida all the time. But, um, and, and that's why I say I've just learned in my experience though, all of our problems are the same. They really are. Cultures are different. 
everybody looks different, but yet at the same time, we all have the same goals in business and we all have the same problems. And that, that was a little bit over my career was an eye opener of it, you know, just understanding the, the culture. And I think that's, that's, what's interesting. When you can understand cultures and know that the, your problems are the same, just making sure when I say cultures, making sure you say, don't say one, something that's taboo, you know, cause you don't want to, you don't want to ruin your, your business opportunity before it even gets started. But after that, I think, you know, it's under, knowing your audience, which is marketing and sales 101, knowing who they are, what they like, what's what potentially is offensive, what's not so offensive, and getting down and dirty with it. And I think it's just, it's a basic 101 that a lot of people still miss out on. And I think LinkedIn is a great way to really understand who your that buyer persona is, you know, what their interests are. Like you said, what articles are they sharing? If you're seeing them share the same types of articles a lot, there's probably a reason for that. That's what they're interested in or that's what they need, something along those lines. So, you know, I've just written content specifically for one client based on what they were sharing. So I could say, I see you were sharing this. We had something very similar that I thought might be interesting. I literally wrote it with them in mind. When you write to something with someone in mind, do you find out, and I equate this to, sometimes you think, okay, you know, you always hear there's no such thing as a stupid question or a dumb question. And then you ask that question and then you end up finding out three or four other people in that room had the same question, but they were afraid to ask. Mm -hmm. And when you write for that one person, do you end up finding out more people were either engaging with, oh, with sure. that content? Yeah. And oh, you start to learn more that, about them. Yeah. Sometimes that ends up to be my best piece that gets traction everywhere. And that client never really knows I wrote it for them. Right. But all they think is, wow, she's thinking exactly like we are right now. Uh, it's worth it. Yeah. And it's not like I only use it with them. I use it Sometimes I share it and get as much engagement as possible and share it with them in three days. So it doesn't even look like, you know, it's like, this is an afterthought. So. I read a quote from you that I think was on from Salesforce. It says, one of the things I like to think about when I'm building out a plan is where are my buyers doing right before they know they need us? Mm -hmm. How do you get to a place or at least close to it where you know what your buyers are doing right before they need you? Ah, so that there's a lot of things that you can do. And again, this is a lot of like pre-work. So the first thing you have to do is talk talk to your prospects, the real prospects that are reaching out that you're having and understand where they are right now. Understand like what is the challenge they're facing? So for me, like you know, when they're looking, what's the problem before I come in? Our pipeline has stalled. We have less leads coming in. We laid off SDRs and our people have to do their own hunting. Right. So what's happening? They're not talking about LinkedIn yet. They're talking about that, you know, we're struggling with sales. What we're doing now isn't working anymore. How do I know that? Because when I talk to a client, I'm like, okay, so what's been going on for the last few months? What got you to reach out or a prospect, right? What got you to reach out? What isn't working, right? That's all part of the discovery. You need to take that and create content. So now what is the content you create? Five things to do when your team's pipeline has stalled, right? Talk, now your content has to be where they are in the point before they need you. What's happening? So in marketing, what's going on? Maybe, uh, do you guys do, do um, email campaigns? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it might be five things to do when your email opens start to decline. Because now I'm going to go, okay, my message isn't working. I might need to look for someone new, right? So think about what's, they're not, they're not going, okay, they haven't decided yet that we're going to go find people to, read, to write new. So you don't want to say five questions necessarily. There's a, there's a path, there's a journey, but it might be five reasons to hire a new email copywriter. They might not be looking at that yet. Because you have, but you have to hit five five things to do when um, your emails, when the leads coming from your emails are falling off, right? And you're like, okay, you're hitting them before they know they needed you. Are you familiar with inbound marketing? Sure, of course. So, and to me, that's part of what, what inbound marketing is. It's creating that content, understanding where they're at and, and exactly what you just said. It, it's, it's that same process, you know, the platform, LinkedIn, perfect, you know, from an inbound marketing, create content, put it out there, answering the question. And now all of a sudden you've sort of 
registered. You've, you've literally and figuratively made an impression on them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's the, the blending sort of, we talked about this whole time. It's the blending of the sales and, and, and marketing. And I think the marketer and the salesperson who can balance both are the ones who are going to separate themselves. I agree. I yeah. agree. I, I want to just kind of, as I think we're probably coming to the end with the stat um, that I want to mention that I think is absolutely incredible. It's a corporate vision study. 74% of buyers choose the sales rep that was first to bring insights and value. Not on price, that's three quarters. Not on price, not on anything we think, anything in our head, it's, it's insights and value, 74%. That's a huge percentage. So if that is true and it's a study and I believe corporate visions, they're very, very reputable, then we need sales, marketing, business development, anyone looking to bring in new business needs to be the one who's offering insights and value first, period, end of story. So I think that's really important. That's, I think, absolute key. This has been a blast. I feel like we could keep talking for another hour, but I do want to be respectful of time. Um, If you had, or if there was one thing that you wanted uh, somebody who had been listening to the program for the last hour or didn't have a chance to listen to it as a takeaway, the one thing you want them to remember, what would that be? Um, the ask offer ratio. Make sure that whatever you're asking someone to do, to read your profile, to listen to a podcast, to watch a video, to read a blog post, that at the end of that experience, it's compelling. They say, it's this was well worth my time. I invested this amount of time, whether it's 30 seconds or 30 minutes or three hours, right? I invested time in this and it was really worth it. It was absolutely the best use of my time. That's how you get more conversations. That's how you get people to raise their hand and say, um, you're worth a call. So master the ask offer ratio. Well, like any typical happy hour, it's not all just talk shop. So we also like to close it off with like, a, we call it keeping it light. Bren, what is it that you're listening to, reading, watching, maybe binging on something that you could share? So I have a few things. So one of the podcasts I love, which uh, is, is Larry Levine and Daryl Amy selling from the heart, which I think is amazing. Um, I am reading Jeb, Blunt's new book, Virtual Selling. I'm actually physically reading that because it's not on audio yet. But most everything I, I, um, I, I walk two miles a day and either take in a podcast or a book. And I have a new fun one that's really, really, really easy and is having a huge impact on me, which is called Exactly What to Say by Phil Jones. And it's like a minute, 30 seconds with an idea. And then it's like, that's a whole chapter. And that's hmm. another one. That's another one. And it's literally like magic opening words to sentences and to, to, to posts. And it's really fun. And I, you know, I mean, I don't agree with a hundred percent of it, but I've, I've listened to it like three times. And then my all time, well, I have a couple of all time favorites. The one I always go back to, to listen to is Gap Selling by Keenan. Okay. I love though, just going back that you said, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm reading it because the audio is not out yet. And it's just such a, the time that we're at, because absolutely. I used to be read, read. And then it's like, oh, well, wait, I can be in the car or I can go out for a walk and listen to it uh, at the same time. And so now I'm with you too. It's like, I'm actually physically reading a book. So if uh, people wanted to learn more about you, if they wanted to read your book, if they wanted to learn more, where can they find you? So uh, I'm still the only Bryn Tillman on LinkedIn. So so that's great. That's more than Ryan can say. Well, yeah. yeah. Type Ryan uh, Smith in and find out. Tell me. Right. <laughs> um, uh, com is my company. There's lots of free resources and we always have a complimentary webinar coming up. So you can always hop on that. Um, and, and, you know, my phone number's everywhere. Text me, call me, anything but Facebook. Facebook I keep as my personal. 
Well, first of all, this was an hour worth of so much knowledge, so much value to really understand how to better use LinkedIn. I think you had some great strategies along those lines. And anybody who is either on sales or marketing clearly is going to have a better understanding and obviously get a ton of of value out of this. So thank you for your time. And we really do appreciate you joining us on the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. Oh, it's really fun being here. Thanks so much, guys. So that was another fun interview, Ryan. What'd you think? You know, when you get some of these interviews, you always kind of go into it, you know, as the host kind of anticipating or having an idea of what, how the conversation can go. This is one of those that went way better than I thought it was going to be. Bryn just brought so much of the how-tos and and what not to do, how to get referrals the proper way on LinkedIn, how to do the uh, referrals the right way, how to make sure that you're bringing value and knowledge and getting people to opt in to wanting more information from you. And I think when you use that approach that she taught in this podcast episode, you're going to get a better chance of increasing your obviously engagement and your sales uh, in further nurturing those leads. I love it that she records her Zoom interviews with clients. And then she goes back and she gets ideas. And that's how part of her content creation is. And she then, you know, recreates other content in addition and post it on LinkedIn and other mediums. So Bryn, I thought was just, she, she knocked it out of the park and again, exceeded my expectations. I don't know, Chris, what, what was your take? Yeah. So I was actually kind of touched when she made the comment about being nervous about being on the program, being around, you know, people with marketing backgrounds, whereas hers is more of a sales background because I, like you, was was blown away. And I feel like even though she's coming at it from the sales angle, we speak the same language, you know, when you're talking about creating value for your audience. And she dropped a lot of great tips on the ask-offer ratio and the importance of no like, and trust and the precursor to that. I think that whether you're coming at it from a marketing perspective or a sales perspective or a customer service perspective, she added a lot of value. And uh, I get a lot of connections on LinkedIn that... The first message is a high and the second message is the sales pitch. And I'm, this is now going to be the episode that I share with them on how to actually create value if you're looking to do business. So that will wrap up another edition of the happy hour, but no episode is complete without keep it light. Ryan, what are you binge watching or reading these days? As we know, we talk about this a lot. Sports is, is big outside of the marketing and the, uh, you know, the, the beer world, but my favorite sport out of all is, is football and American football. So the fact that the National Football League is getting ready to get started, I am absolutely stoked. Each Sunday, you will find me watching the NFL Red Zone starting at 1 p.m. Eastern and going all the way through. Very excited about that. And of course, being a huge Bucks fan, really anticipating what Tom Brady and the Bucks uh, do this year. So high hopes here in Tampa and just, just absolutely stoked the NFL's back. I am binging the NFL. What are you binging, Chris? Yeah, you know, I wish I could say I was watching sports, but I've been so busy lately that uh, I haven't had time for much. But I did start rereading a book that was on my shelf. Jay Baer wrote a book called Utility, How Why Smart Marketing is About Help, Not Hype. And it's so funny because the book is actually several years old at this point, but I think it, it, given you know the state of the world, the global pandemic and whatnot, I think it might be more relevant today than ever. And again, is that a precursor to something happening on Digital Marketing Happy Hour? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Tune into episode 21 and you'll find out. Well, we'd like to hear from you. If there's something that Bryn said that you loved, if there maybe is something that you disagreed with, give us your feedback. Let us know. Send us an email to podcast at araxam.com, podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. If email's not your jam and it's all about social media, hit us up also. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ryan Smith FLA. And on LinkedIn, you can just do a search for Ryan Smith Marketing or even look for our company, Araxum, on LinkedIn. And I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. On LinkedIn, you can find me under Chris Casale. You can also find me under Araxum and, of course, Digital Marketing Happy Hour. And on Twitter, it's Real Chris Casale. That's R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E. And if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We hope it will enlighten your day. After all, it is our mom's favorite podcast. And hopefully after today, it's Bryn's mom's favorite podcast as well. Thanks a lot, everyone. Have a great day.
Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits is a song called In My Pocket by Jazzer. You can find it on their album Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com. Thank you for listening.